genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we are beginning our mini-series on the Spy Kids franchise with the first film released in 2001. It's Robert Rodriguez's Spy Kids. And we have a guest joining us to talk about warts, horrifying backwards creatures, and rehydrated McDonald's product placement is fellow podcaster Gary Roby. Gary, welcome to Spy Kids Season. Happy to have you I'm on the so show. I'm so excited, you guys. I'm so excited to talk to you about this movie. <laughs> Spy uh, Kids! Bow, bow, Gar- bow, bow. Gary, you were a, uh, a big force a few months ago on the, uh, on the franchiseography Twitter. Yes. Spreading the word, getting Spy Kids chosen for our new season. Tell us a little bit about your background with the Spy Kids movies. I mean, you know, I was, I think this is just another one of those cases where like, sometimes you're just the perfect age for something when someone, when, when a movie comes out. Yeah. And I was 10 years old when Spy Kids came out. And so older uh, than the titular Spy Kids. Although, as I yes. learned watching the movie, not actually the titular Spy Kids. I see what you mean. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that yes. blew my no. mind. I'll be no, honest. That great. blew my it's mind. It's so good. We'll get there. <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> but yes. But like, You know, I also have like little, I have little siblings. I have a bunch of little sisters, but me and my sister Morgan are like really close in age and had the sort of like bickering Junie Carmen relationship a little Mm. bit. I don't know. I was already a fan of spy movies. My grandfather was like super into like James Bond and stuff and like would have those on at his house. And so I was just like, oh, there's like gadgets and there's like all this cool intrigue and their kids. All their stuff is toys. It's great. <laughs> no, for sure. Scott, you're on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You saw Spy Kids for the first time in preparation for this podcast. Correct. Wow. Just last night. I have I had never seen Spy Kids mm-hmm. before. Uh, what were your first impressions of Spy Kids as a movie? Well, so when it came out, I was in high school. And, mm-hmm. and I've always prided myself in being able to see something and be like, that is not for me and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about Spy Kids. Now. My brothers, my little brothers, I think I was, I would have been in 2001, I would have been 16. I, when did this come out? What, what, what so was I, I incorrectly said at the end of our last episode that this came out in August. Oh. Uh, it, it did not. The other, the sequels both did, but this came out in March 30th, 2001. Okay. So I wasn't quite 16 yet. I was on the cusp of 16. I would turn 16 in May. I was 15 when this came out, which means that my brothers were 10 and eight respectively. Mm. So they were like the perfect age for this. Mm -hmm. So they watched it all the time. And so I would see out of context clips a lot because they would be watching it at home. And I just was like, okay, like it's a kid's movie. It's not for me. That's fine. Not a big deal. The only part of it that bothered me was just like, doesn't Robert Rodriguez have anything better to do with his time than make these like, (laughs) Little kids movies, though that was my only opinion of Spy Kids. You're and like, then, like the Desperado would, guy, why is he making these kids movies? Well, for me, it was the it was it was the, the faculty. faculty guy. Oh, yeah, got it, got it, got of it. course. But yeah, so 
I I never watched this. And then in preparation of watching it last night for the first time, I looked it up to see where it was streaming, which it's it stars, by the way. Uh, I don't know if it still will be by the time you guys are hearing this, but that's <laughs> where it, that's where it is right now. We uh, I, I, when I did that, I noticed the Rotten Tomato score and I was like. What? <laughs> it's a yes. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold hold on. I thought these were bad. I thought everyone <laughs> was like under like I thought everyone had like sort of collectively were like, no, these movies are bad. So I click on the Rotten Tomato score. All the critics are like really, they love it. And they're like, it's a kid's movie, but it's a great, it's a great kid's movie. It doesn't talk down to the kids. Like it knows what it is and it does what it does really well. And then the audience score is like a 48 or something like that. And it's a bunch of dudes just being like, why the fuck is Robert Rodriguez wasting his time with this stupid bullshit? Fuck these movies. Fuck this. Fuck those kids. And like, (laughs) I was just like, oh, that's why I thought the way that I thought was because those were the people I was hearing, not Mm. like legitimate critics. Right. Yeah. So I went into the movie suddenly with my arms not crossed. You know, like I went into the movie ready to like embrace this movie. And um, I got to be honest, man, this movie kind of rocks. Like it's it does. Great. It's it's really fucking fun. Like it it's is. really, yeah. really fun. There are definitely some eye rolly moments here and there. And there's definitely some things that are silly just for the sake of being silly. Right. Like Terry Hatcher's bald wig, where it's just like, yeah. why wouldn't she just be wearing a wig? Why would this character <laughs> just be walking around with his burned corpse of us? She's owning it. Yeah, she's just owning totally it. Like, owning why would it. she do that and not just wear a wig? <laughs> well, because it's funnier this way. That's yes. why. And this is for kids. And mm. it's like. So there's a lot of that, but it's really charming. It's really well thought out and really well executed and put together. It's not as green screen heavy. This particular one, I can't say the same for the sequels, but this particular one is not as green screen heavy as I was led to believe these movies were, which were, you know, my belief of these movies is that the whole movies, like all of them were all shot in Robert Rodriguez's garage on a green screen, like (laughs) floops, virtual room. That's just his garage. And the whole movies are shot in there and nothing (laughs) is real. All of it is built in a computer. And uh, that's how he made all of these movies. That was always my belief. So I was surprised when there were like practical sets and locations and things in this one. Pretty beautiful Um, sets. Yeah. 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 Um, sometimes too beautiful, but we'll get there. <laughs> Distractingly beautiful sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, this was a lot of fun. This was like a great kids movie. The kind yeah. of kids movies that they don't really make anymore. And that must be why he wanted to make this is like, he was probably watching these kids movies getting made and just be like, what is all of this like bullshit that they're like giving to kids? Like what happened to the kinds of kids movies I watched in the eighties when I was a kid, I'm yeah. going to make one for my kids. And like, I feel like that's what this movie is. Um, I'm sure Nick will go into it, but Nick, what about you? What, yeah, what did no, this movie mean to you? Right on the money, yeah. Um, but I'm, I, hey, just uh, really happy to hear that you enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Spy Kids is like just. I think it's Robert Rodriguez's best film. Wow. I I think it's his best paced. I think it's the one where all of just everything about him as a filmmaker is on firing on all cylinders, and is being funneled through the right story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just all of his best qualities shining and some of the maybe more self-sabotaging qualities of himself as a filmmaker aren't as leaned on heavily mm-hmm. as we'll see in other movies. And I just, yeah, just the pace of it. It's like 88 minutes and it's a bullet and it's telling this really great story about family. I think it's the most personal movie he's made, but we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like Gary said, I was just at just the exact right age when this movie came out. 
And there's a certain magic to knowing, there's like an alchemy to knowing what kids are going to love. I don't think you can predict that kids are going to love a sponge that wears pants and lives on (laughs) and lives in a pineapple under the sea. Sure. In, In learning about Spy Kids by design, it was like, yeah, what what do kids like? You know, Robert Rodriguez wanted this to look and feel like it was written and directed and edited and shot by a kid. Mm. And I think that really hit my imagination square in the eye in 2001. It moved the way that my imagination moved at like the rate that my imagination did. And this was also the very first time I think that I saw a Latino family on screen and not all over my house. (laughs) 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 And like coming back while watching it, because I didn't I didn't own this movie on dvd you know what i mean uh-huh. i didn't rewatch this movie every every day but like I, I i watched it a couple times and it left a big impact on me like gary said the way carmen and juni argue and snip at each other is exactly how me and my sister were with each other mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I think as a kid when you're watching something you something happens when you feel like its worldview is kind of synced up with yours where yeah mcdonald's is awesome jetpacks is awesome (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah so this this was like a big part of my childhood i think like for a lot of millennials and in in doing research for the movie i think i can kind of understand why but to start the story of spy kids we have to go a little bit further back than we usually do on franchiseography robert rodriguez was born in san antonio and he was one of 10 siblings wow In Rodriguez's words, he had an instant cast and an instant crew. (laughs) (laughs) One day, his dad, who was a uh, salesman, and one day he came home with uh, one of the first ever home VCRs that came attached to a camera. Oh. And he was like, hey, I brought this home from work. And Robert Rodriguez was like, holy shit. And from that point on, he was just like one of those kids that like made home movies in his backyard with his 10 siblings. Yeah. And uh, he never really left that kind of home movie, family movie mindset mm-hmm. he would go on to make a short called bedhead that starred two of his siblings and it was like this black and white like almost like it reminded me of like early tim burton mm. like absurdism about this girl who gets like psychic powers and tortures her brother with it and if you watch this 16 millimeter black and white short film it's spy kids like mm. the camera movements and the zooms and the like the kind of quirky kid performances it's all there that's wow. cool yeah, and so that festival, that that short did the festival circuit. It picked up some money. It picked up some cool uh, palm leaves, and it ultimately led to him making El Mariachi, mm-hmm. which was this big seven. It was a seven thousand a movie he shot for seven thousand dollars in nineteen ninety one, mm-hmm. and uh, took Sundance by storm, and that led to Desperado, which led to From Dusk Till Dawn, which led to The Faculty, Scott mm-hmm. mentioned, and the whole time people were asking, "Hey, when are you going to make a movie like Bedhead again?" with this kind of infectious kid spirit. And he was like, I don't know. That's interesting. You're right. I have. And so there's like a few things like germ events that happened that ultimately led to spy kids. One was that another one was, he was shooting a movie called four rooms, yeah, which, which is like a series of vignettes. Some of them are directed by Quentin Tarantino. And just in that one. just one. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the other directors? I always just think of those two, but there's like, no, other- I don't remember the, the other two directors. One is a female director. They might both be female directors, the other okay. two, but I, I'll, be, I'll be totally honest. I don't love the other two rooms. Um, right. It's one is like, yeah. One is the witches one, and one is the hostage one, where the guy is like keeping his wife hostage or something yeah. like that. And then Jennifer there's, Beals. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the witch coven one, mm-hmm. where they're all topless. I don't know. Like, it just felt gratuitous and weird. It was the 90s. Yeah. And then like the two good ones are... 
the Robert Rodriguez one and the Tarantino one are the two yes. really good ones. And so in the Robert Rodriguez one, there's a part where Antonio Banderas is at this hotel with his stepkids mm-hmm. and the two, he was like, yeah, I'm sitting there on set. And these two kids are like wearing little tuxedos. And I'm like, Hey, those kids kind of look like mini James Bonds. Oh, I'm going to be a fucking millionaire. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, I feel so good that I called that. <laughs> I call because I didn't know for sure, but I I was like, I feel like his segment in four rooms was the inspiration for Spy Kids, (laughs) but it's also about them finding a dead sex worker in like in their bed. And I'm like, so like, maybe I'm not right, but I feel like I am right. I feel so vindicated that I am. You're you're definitely on the Rodriguez wavelength, Scott. (laughs) Yes. And so he, 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 he tucks that idea in his brain. This is like 96. Yeah. And he was like, well. Then like he started dreaming and thinking of the movie, and he was like, "Well, I can't make that movie yet." Um, but by the time he got to From Dusk Till Dawn, From Dusk Till Dawn is quite a bit of visual effects. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he was like, "I think I'm ready to make this movie, but I want to make it my way." Robert Rodriguez has come up on the show a couple times already, yeah. as almost directing an X Men movie or almost directing a Men in Black sequel. Mm-hmm. He, uh, the faculty is kind of the closest he ever came to making a Hollywood movie because for whatever, for a multitude of reasons, he just doesn't like working in that machine. The way a lot of directors do. He just wants to be in Texas <laughs> with his family making movies. And so Spy Kids was kind of like the first experiment in this home studio wonderland that he would end up making in the next decade. His sort of like low-key Skywalker ranch. <laughs> I was literally just about to ask this. Like, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah. Well, yeah. Post-production was actually done at Skywalker Ranch, Scott. Incredible. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> this was the last Robert Rodriguez movie to be shot on film. Because, like, yeah, he he shot this, and there's a lot of green screen in the movie. And this was like 2000 when green screen was really new technology. So it, like, he didn't it didn't work with film. Mm-hmm. It was like a really arduous process. So he's in Skywalker Ranch doing post on Spy Kids, and George Lucas is like, "Hey, you want to watch some footage of my new Attack of the Clones movie?" And he goes, "Hell yeah!" Yes. So he watches some of the footage coming in from Attack of the Clones, and he says, "George, this is gorgeous. Mm. This is this looks amazing." I'm going to shoot the Spy Kids sequels on digital because that'll make the great. So so it's kind of Robert Rodriguez is a futurist to a degree that I really admire. He's always looking forward. The best time to be alive is always now. We're lucky to have the technology that we have to play with. There's never been a better time to be a filmmaker. That's like what he said in 2005. That's what he's saying in 2021. Yeah. But this is, I think, the most beautiful Spy Kids movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is shot by Guillermo Navarro. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the cinematographer for Pan's Labyrinth. Which I was surprised by because, you know, Rodriguez notably shoots himself a lot. Yeah. So I was I was surprised to see that this is not one of those cases. And I think the movie is better off for it. Notable about this movie, there there is no visual effects supervisor. Mm, uh, yeah. Ro- Rodriguez, when looking at the movie and what he wanted to accomplish with where digital effects were at the time, he was like, anyone that I hire, any supervisor that I hire would be coming up with new ideas and new ways to do it. I might as well be that person doing it so that I know how to do it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Smart. There's a story I found where like when he was in high school, like a film teacher took him aside and he was like, hey, Robert, take, take, take the cowboy hat off. Listen <laughs> to me. Stop, stop strumming that a little acoustic guitar. You're a really creative person. You need to learn how to be a technical person because everyone is either a creative person or a technical person. But if you can be both, you're unstoppable. Yeah. And he that kind of became his like creative ethos, moving myth or whatever. Moving yeah, into that's the incredible. 
So yeah, uh, I, I kind of have a lot of like behind the scenes stuff, but it's sort of as the movie goes. Okay. Yeah. The movie was shot in 48 days in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. except for some uh, very well-placed exteriors that we'll get into as the, the movie goes, but let's get started. Yeah. So, so before we get started, I do want to mention the, the, this one fact that I just thought was so interesting while watching this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know that realize this, but this is actually the perfect fourth miniseries for us because it sums up all three miniseries that have come before. It has connections to all three for our first miniseries for men in black. You know, we have Tony Shalhoub in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then from our second miniseries, we have dimension films. So we have a dimension connection. Right. And then of course, from our X-Men franchise, we have Alan Cumming in the film. Yeah. Loop. So that's true. Connections yeah. To all three of our miniseries before this, and now this is like our perfect fourth miniseries. Right off the bat, it's just like, boom, this is like a culmination of everything you guys have done so far. <laughs> it, was, it was destiny. Yeah, I think it all, was. All, all roads lead to Spy Kids. I think yes. so. So we start this movie in a very relatable place, which is Carmen looking wistfully out the window of her seaside castle that she lives in. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is a pretty cool visual trick. So they wanted Robert Rodriguez wanted the kids to live in this crazy like storybook impossibly cool house by the sea. Yeah. So this exterior is actually a mountainside in Chile. Mhm. And so that was like a real exterior that they shot. They flew out in a helicopter. And then when the zoom in happens, it zooms into a practical set in Austin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, she is staring wistfully because, you know, as we learn throughout the movie, she is skipping class and things because she like wants adventure mm-hmm. in her life because she feels very bored in her yeah. giant seaside castle mansion <laughs> that she lives in. And her brother has warts. And is like pouring some sort of wart sauce on his warts. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, it's really specific. It's stuff that you have to deal with as a kid, but you never see in a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, the wart sauce is interesting because I've never, I, look, I had warts when I was a kid. Oh, I've uh, never had warts. Yeah, yeah. I had warts when I was a kid. And I don't know what the hell that is. That he's, <laughs> I don't know what this medicine is that he's using. You have to burn warts off, like cryogenically like burn them off. What you're doing is you're taking this thing and you're sticking it to the wart and it's like this ultra cold, like cryogenic thing that basically freezes it so that it kills it and then it falls off. Wow. So I don't know what this is that he's pouring <laughs> all over his hands. Well, it's not working because he has no, warts the whole movie. No, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. Gary, did you ever have to deal with warts as a kid? I never had to deal with warts as a kid. Is yeah. it true what Floop says in the movie that it comes from like from sweat and being nervous? I don't know. I, okay. I actually, I have no idea. Because, yeah, I, I will say, you know, I always associate warts. I think it's because of Can't Hardly Wait. But I always associated mm-hmm. warts with, like, uh, you, you get get warts from other people. That was my oh, understanding. Okay. Because there's that line in Can't Hardly Wait where he's like, wear flip-flops in the shower. I've got warts all over my feet. Right. You know, so when you're sharing, like, a shower with people, like, the there's, like, warts in the water. And then it gets on your feet. And then you get warts. So, like, I thought it was, like, contagious. Okay. But I don't know how I got mine. I have no idea. I never learned. Mm. Okay. It's not like I was like digging around. I was like a very like indoor kid. So like sure. Much much like Junie, it seems. Right. So, yeah. Maybe yeah. however Junie got him, you got him. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we meet uh Junie Cortez and Carmen Elizabeth Juanito Echo Sky Bravo Cortez, mm-hmm. played by Daryl Sabara and Alexa Vega. 
this was a uh, Rodriguez was given a six month casting process and he decided to use all six months of it. Wow. He he was like, I really want to take my time. So he found Sabara during the first week and the, spent the rest of the time not finding anyone that he liked as much. Mm-hmm. Alexa Vega, on the other hand, he also met but wasn't available, but then became available by the end of the six month casting process. Oh, OK. So, it, nice. so it's like if he hadn't have taken the whole time, the whole like six month period, there's a chance that we wouldn't have gotten Alexa Vega as Carmen. That really worked out. Yeah. But yeah. And then their mom comes in. Yes. Okay, let's everybody go to bed. And then she's like, I want a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. And then she tells her the story of two spies who fall in love, played by herself and their father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this was the first scene Rodriguez wrote for the movie. Oh, okay. Was this like prologue? This like yeah. origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what'd you think of this? This like kind of like the prologue cold open, so to speak. I liked it a lot. The story of their courtship is basically like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, if they weren't yeah. already married, right. they're hired to kill yeah. each other and instead fall in love. I remember falling in love with the movie, watching the scene, and like there's things, there's reviews and articles I read about the movie mm-hmm. researching where it's like there's a Latinness to this movie mm-hmm. that is unspoken and hit me in the blood as a kid, and I couldn't even pay like just seeing Calaveras on the wedding cake mm-hmm. and like just the Rodriguez's score, the really like the guitar score. I'm like, wait, yeah. these are Mexicans. I didn't. Like they're they're this is a wedding. This is this is crazy. <laughs> that's Mike Judge and Richard Linklater as Antonio Banderas' groomsman. Oh that's fun. wow. Because they were in town and they're friends. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> that's great. And uh that's DP Guillermo Navarro as the But also they're the, both from Texas. They're like yes. they're like Texans. So absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, so that that's Richard Linklater putting the parachute on Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Nice. Yeah. And that's DP Guillermo Navarro as the pastor. Reading the nice. Bus. Yeah, no, I I love this. I love the scene. I love the marriage escape with the hard yeah, parachutes. So I love that they planned ahead, knowing yeah. that this was probably going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, yeah. They have their heart shaped parachutes, and they land in the speedboat that says "Just Married." Like, yeah. this is how they're going to leave the whole time. The groomsmen and the bridesmaids all know what to do. They're not like plus by any of it. Yeah, yeah. it's very good. A fun little fun story about Carla Gugino. They like couldn't find a mom. Mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez is like, I can't freaking find anybody. This is crazy. So Daryl Sabara, like a lot of young actors, has like a twin brother. Mm-hmm. E- Evan. Evan Sabara was in a Hallmark movie with Carla Gugino. And mm-hmm. so these kids come up to Robert Rodriguez and they're like, we think we might have somebody. And they're like, who? Tell me who. <laughs> <laughs> and so it ended up working out and they ended up surprising the boys. Like they're like, hey, there's someone waiting for you in the in the makeup chair. And like the turns around is Carla Gugino. And they're like, whoa amazing nice. that's awesome yeah yeah because this like this kind of like weirdly <laughs> spy kids like jump-started her career we- weirdly because it was like after this she started getting in lots of stuff like she yeah. became uh zach snyder's like lucky rabbit's foot and just started being like in all of his movies yeah and, yeah, yeah definitely for a, a big chunk of time anytime i saw carla Gugino, it was like oh my god the mom from spy kids yep. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah, Gregorio and Ingrid, after mm-hmm. the kids go to sleep, they're doing just casual spy stuff in their bedroom. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, I like I like her like typing a password into her makeup kit to yeah. like rotate the screens on her armoire. It's great. Yeah. yeah. R- Rodriguez and his effects crew spent a lot of time just daydreaming. And they they knew right away they didn't want there to be any guns or weapons in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. So that forced them to kind of think differently. They also wanted the movie to be stuffed with cool gadgets. So like any excuse for like, yeah, her makeup chair or like, yeah, his his parlor, everything is yeah. a gadget. Yeah. No, it's really good. So they're just talking about their kids. He hates the, the show that Junie watches. Yeah, uh-huh. he hates the show that Junie watches. He's like, it's so it's so fucking stupid. It's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> I don't get it. That felt really real to me because I feel like any any time, like every kid has a show that the, the parent is like, why do you watch that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what 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 do you like about this? <laughs> <What do you laughs> like? So yeah, so they're talking about that. They're talking about the fact that Junie has no friends. They're talking about the fact that Carmen is skipping school. Yeah, Junie's uh, made up friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he made up pretend friends because really his only friend is his floop doll. Mm-hmm. That does not share a strong likeness yeah. to, no. so to the, Alan Cumming. So the, the parents are keeping this big secret from the kids, but they're finding out that the kids are keeping all these little secrets from the parents. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So what what I did think that was interesting about this is it seems to, they, they kind of just drop it right away, but it <laughs> seems to suggest that they have continued their spy work as consultants working from home. But when they got married, they were on opposite sides of spydom. They are, have remained on opposite sides, but they work across from each other, <laughs> but they don't, they don't like share information. Cause there's like a moment where he's like blocking his screen from her. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, hmm, interesting. And then like what wheels away. No. Yeah. And I think as a kid, you know, you, I thought like, oh, he's, it's about the mission that he's about to go on. But, but you're right. Yeah. They, they meet because they were like sent to assassinate one another. Yeah. Right. It's it's yeah, it's like the real world implications of that are pretty frightening. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was funny. You mentioned like it not having guns or like any real weapons. It's funny because when Bethany and I were watching it, there were like a couple of bits. There's there's a couple of moments throughout this movie mm-hmm. that are absolutely brutal, except for the fact that they don't die. Right. Yeah. Like, right. No yeah. one dies in the movie. And I was just like, what if this movie was exactly the same, except that people just b- were brutally killed left and right. Matthew exactly Vaughn's spy same. kids. Yeah. yeah. Exactly the same. Nothing else was different. It was just like everyone, no one survived when they, when they had these like brutal injuries. Right. Now we'll get into it for sure. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of uh, uh, brutality, mm-hmm. it's the next morning and Junie and Carmen are like on these like monkey bar things, like doing some training in the morning. Why does, why does mom and dad make us do this every morning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she fucks with him and then he <laughs> picks up a dumbbell and throws it at her. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. When it happened out loud, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he just picks up a dumbbell and throws it as hard as he can at his sister. Yeah. And she dodges it. Merciless. Just horrifying yeah. um, i i really like the the chemistry between carmen and junie in this i like that uh-huh. um junie is reserved kind of shy but carmen's like well then that there was this cool interview moment where uh rodriguez like yeah like girls develop faster than boys guys are still kind of in that kind of clueless state for a little mm-hmm. bit longer and carmen is just like that much more ready to get mm-hmm. out and explore and he's like literally like t- kicking her brother off of a monkey bar yeah. because he's going too slow yeah yeah Get out of my way. <laughs> so they're watching Floop in the car on the way to school. Yeah. Gregorio is just absolutely horrified by the whole the whole thing. Just like, this is the worst goddamn show I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, watch anything else. But then he sees one of these horrifying monsters. The Fluglies. The Fluglies. The Fluglies, yeah. And he, he had gotten information about a missing secret agent. 
And then he's looking at this flugly that looks nothing like this uh, this missing agent, but he can't shake the feeling that it's the same person somehow. <laughs> I don't know. In the uh, it, uh, in the eyes, I don't know. I as a kid, I bought it right away. I was like, yeah. oh, they're turning the spies into those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the uh, I don't know, just the conversation. There's so many little moments as a, I, I remember resonating with me, like when they see the new flugly and Daryl Sabara is like, well, when there's a toy of that one, I want it. And like, yeah, yeah, this is how a family talks. There's there's a TV on in the back of the car on the way to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get to the school. There's a bully. They've been mm-hmm. talking about Junie's bully. And he's getting picked on. The bully's dad is like, way to go, son. You show that kid who's boss. And Gregorio is like, yo, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. And he's like, what? What are you going to do? And then he imagines flipping him through a window and everyone cheering and everyone being like we all hated that kid's dad yay (laughs) and then of course that's not actually what happened but it's like a real like doug funny moment it really is it's a it's it's, it's a it's a fun bit of whimsy where like the dad is also fantasizing about being a hero to his son yeah (laughs) but there is a moment that happened just a few minutes earlier gregorio was like dropping the kids off for school and he knows that junie's getting bullied Mm -hmm. and he stops junie and he's like hey i just i just want to let you know remember you are a Cortez. Mm-hmm. And Junior's like, what's so great about being a Cortez? And Gregorio's like, lots of things. That might be in like my top 10 formative moments of film because it was the first time I heard that last name in mm-hmm. a movie. Mm. Uh, my godmother's last name is Cortez. I have family members named Cortez. Mm-hmm. And it was this weird like, whoa. Like, I, and then in retrospect, it's like, why was that weird? Like, like I, didn't, I didn't know what representation was or what diversity and inclusion meant and all that stuff. But like, that moment like really jostled me as a kid and it made me connect to the this family i remember as a kid like could they be related to me i was like 10 that's and, precious and so yeah like watching this moment again in the rewatch i was like i could i could remember that that feeling yeah i think i think the reason this spy kids is the best one is because of the family aspect mm-hmm. yeah it, it really yeah. feels like the parents are going through a, a story just like the kids are yeah yeah well i mean it feels like there are a lot of themes. There's there's like thematic resonance to everything that's going on mm-hmm. in this movie because it's so well thought out mm-hmm. because the development process was probably longer than 12 months. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He'd been dreaming about this movie for a long time. Yeah. Of like yeah. elements. So who knows? Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he wanted this to be, he talked about it. He wanted this to be something to leave for his kids. He had been making like these really violent, bloody movies. Yeah. And so he was like, I want to make something that my kids can watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Going back to the bully, though, yes. and the bully's father, <laughs> that moment is is strange because it's a setup to nothing. Like, there's no payoff to this. Like, no. it never comes back around later in the movie. It's just this moment, and that's it. And I th- I found that odd. Like, I was expecting in the denouement for it to, like, come back around somehow, and it never really did. It just, it, they just move on from it. So I was surprised by that. I think there's something else in the scene that is like poignant though. Like we see Gregorio have this like vision, this like fantasy of what he could do, this like his imagination getting away with him. Yeah. And very much like the sort of thing that you would imagine Junie would be doing. We don't get any cutaways like that for him, but like I wouldn't be surprised that this is like the kind of kid he is because he's this imaginative sort of playful thing. And we get, I think in this same sequence, we see like Carmen walking with like one of her friends and is like complaining about like, oh, like I always it's always take care of Junie, like look out for Junie, like make sure you teach Junie right from wrong, which is what we're going to hear Machete say about his little brother later. Mm-hmm. Watch out for Gregorio, take care of Gregorio. Just, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so it's just like, I think solidifying the fact that like 
he takes after his father. Like, even though he's like, oh, he's this cool big spy, he also has that, like, right. hesitation. No, for sure. Yeah. Like seeing, yeah, seeing Gregorio in Junie. But I, I, I agree with Scott. It'd be cool if there was like a moment during like the final battle or something mm. when he's like, no, I really do get to save Junie or Junie gets yeah. to save him. Or mm-hmm. yeah, maybe like a post credit scene where like he hits the bully with a bully's dad with a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just fucking wrecks him. Real, <laughs> real Robert Rodriguez classic. Yeah. Or Machete, Machete has to like take them to school and he just like fucks that guy up. Like, like, I don't care. It's it's not a fantasy for him. He really does launch him into the window. Yeah, he's just like, no. (laughs) And everyone just stares at him horrified and he just Uh, goes, what? What? (laughs) I'm their uncle. (laughs) Nobody fucks with Machete. (laughs) Break it, Robert Rodriguez. Okay, so then we are in Mr. Floop's boardroom where we learn that the show isn't is only there as like as like a a front, know, so, a front? yeah, for the fact that he is selling uh he he's supposed to be making super soldiers for the military, mm-hmm. specifically Robert Patrick, who yes. is apparently <laughs> representing all of the military and the faculty. Yes. And so he tried the the thumb guys the thummies the thumb thumbs the thumb thumbs and then the i'm sorry these are all nonsense words the the, <laughs> the thumb thumbs and the fluglies and they were both failures robert patrick is just like what the fuck is this what the fuck are those <laughs> this is not what i asked for we've we've literally given you a billion dollars stop being so weird <laughs> just give me Captain America's. That's what I asked for. We are paying you to make studio product, Robert. I mean, floop. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thumb thumbs are interesting. They were, uh, Robert Rodriguez drew a picture of them when he was like 11 or 12. It was, it was thumb thumbs playing soccer and the soccer ball was a giant eyeball. Oh, okay. And the drawing won an art contest and it was like the first art contest he ever won. And so, when he was thinking about like, oh, what could the henchman be? He was like, oh, I could bring to this thing from my childhood, the Thumb Thumbs. Wow. <laughs> so he worked with Greg Nicotero from KNB Studios. Yeah. Um, they did a lot of work on this movie and yeah. the trilogy. But like the Thumb Thumbs, that there's incredible. I thought they were all CG, but there's like suits of people walking around in the Thumb Thumb suits. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. It seemed like the when they were in like spy gear, it seemed like they <laughs> were more practical yeah. than when they were like full-blown like thumbs yeah i'm pretty sure there are some all cg thumb thumbs because like their first scene looks very oh yeah yeah. there's i think there's a ton of cg thumb thumbs yeah it might even be a thing where a lot of the practical stuff was replaced by the cgi just because it worked better on set to have Mm -hmm. the real thing but then like they were too stiff looking or something Mm -hmm. but they're they're delightful the physics of like if a book hits one like the joint falls back like their heads yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no it's really good on the flip side of the thumb thumbs The Fluglies are one of the most horrifying creations I've ever seen in a film. And as we go along, it just keeps getting worse. When you find out that they're gibberish is them screaming for help backwards. I'm Uh like, this is the most nightmare inducing, horrifying (laughs) thing I've ever heard. It really is. You know, uh, you you said that this movie feels like a, uh, wow, they don't make kids movies like this anymore. Yeah. Um, Like the, like nightmare fuel. Yeah. I think it's really gone away. You look at movies like Never Ending Story or Chitty Chitty mm-hmm. Bang Bang. Yeah. Like nightmarish things being hidden under this like bright kids movie. Yeah. But uh, also, but Floop and Minion, Alexander Minion, played by Tony Shalhoub, 
mm-hmm. introduce their newest invention, the spy, spy kids, kit. the actual titular, the spy, titular kit. spy kit. Yeah, uh-huh. I that blew my mind when he was like, <laughs> "I call them spy kids," and I was like, "What?" Like. <laughs> They're not the spy kids. I was like, wait a minute. These are the spy kids? Like that. (laughs) But that was the craziest thing. I was like, I was not expecting to feel that way watching this. Yeah. So, yeah, they've made android replicas of the children of like the president and diplomats. Yeah. And like, we're going to plant them and they're going to take over the world. But they don't have brains. (laughs) Yeah. They can't. Yeah. This is the problem. They're just like the, yeah, the fluies where they just speak in gibberish. Yeah. Uh huh. Only presumably they're not asking for help. At least I hope not. Or death. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go back to Gregorio and Ingrid. Gregorio mm-hmm. gets a mission and he's going to go on it. But Ingrid is like, I really could use a mission. I want to yeah. like go do stuff. Again, making those connections between the parents and the kids. Yeah. Um, as you were talking about, those sort of thematic connections. Yep. She feels very similar to Carmen, where she's like bored and wants to get out and yeah. do, do stuff. fun stuff. She yeah. put her career on hold to start a family. It's been nine years. She's ready to get back out there. Yeah. Which is crazy. The 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 fact that it's been nine years because like Carla Gigino is like not that old. I found <laughs> out during the research that she uh she was 30 upon the film's release. So she wow. stopped being she stopped being a spy at 20, which means like yeah. at I most mean, she, she was maybe a spy for four years, assuming she yeah. started as like a teenager. Well, yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's like a, a, a Hollywood situation where it's like, oh, this is supposed to be like a woman in like her mid 30s or something. I don't even I don't know how old Antonio Madera's is actually in real life yeah, really, uh, when, when this movie came out. But yeah, it's a little it's like, wait, how long was your career? When did you start being a spy? <laughs> right. Yeah. So they go on a mission together. Gregorio puts on his fake mustache again. It's so good. <laughs> I love this stupid thing where he has, he, they have this spy car and he has a button that opens the door and she gets in, but then he has to shut it manually. So I'm just like, <laughs> okay, so you have a button that opens the door, but you, you don't have a button that yeah. closes the door. What kind of bullshit spy car is this? <laughs> yeah. Their chemistry in this is insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it really ratchets this movie up to another level is that you buy that they're still this like madly in love spy couple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her saying Spanish naughty stuff to him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whispering Spanish naughty stuff in his ears. Spanish naughty stuff. <laughs> but the children, which I, I also <laughs> thought was funny because he says, but the chill. But what if the children see? And it's like your children are at school. He's talking about the kids in the audience. And <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a little fourth wall breakage. So we meet Uncle Felix. Yeah, played by Cheech Marin. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's going to watch the kids while the parents are off on an adventure. I want to talk for just a bit because we're about to leave the set. Yeah. Their house is gorgeous. It's so I, pretty. I'm going to bring it up later because there, oh, okay, there's a okay. point there's a, a point later where where the kids end up at a at a safe house. Safe, yeah. And they're like, "This is amazing." And I was like, "This is amazing. Have you seen your fucking house?" <laughs> it's like, gorgeous. <laughs> "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> the, um, the cobblestone floor, the art on the walls. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, it's it looks like the whole place is like carved out of the mountain. Like mm-hmm. it's just beautiful, it's unbelievable. So, so Uncle Felix is watching the kids. Terry Hatcher, we meet through a video screen, kind of a money penny type. Yeah, she gets interrupted mm-hmm. by Floop as they get taken by like a, a thing. I we were making Planet Core jokes, like 
every time they were underwater in this the the planet core. Yes. Um, it's just like a lot of like, oh, there's always a bigger fish. Like it had like those vibes for sure. sure. And it was just it was it was uh, exponentially more funny knowing that this only came out like two years after Phantom Menace. Yeah, right. Um, yep. <laughs> the wounds are still fresh. Yeah, absolutely. So then, after they're taken, that's when Felix is like, "Oh shit, I I gotta get you guys out of here. This is an emergency. Your parents are spies." And we get that you know really famous spy kid line of like, "My parents My- can't be spies. They're not cool enough." In which I was like, "Look at your house." Uh-huh. Look at your parents. Have you really looked at your parents ever? Yeah. Yeah. Like, my but, God. <laughs> but, like, you know, kids never think their parents are cool. You know, you hear yeah, stories no. about, like, Chris Pratt's kids. You're like, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we get another fake mustache. Cheech Marin also has a fake mustache. Yeah, he, put, yeah, he pulls he, it off and is like, I'm not your real uh, uncle. <laughs> yeah, I'm not your real uncle. And that's how you know, because your real uncle would have a mustache, I guess. <laughs> but but then what's funny is after he puts them in the in the pod... He like he like sends them in the pot and he's like, I got to go out there and fight those those thumb spies. He like goes out there and then he put he has put the mustache back on to fight yeah. the thumb. It's great. The thumb thumbs. <laughs> Give us some power. I'm yeah. in love with the unspoken joke that the thumb thumbs are attempting to be like camouflaged and covert because <laughs> they're just so the silhouette is so clearly them. Yeah. It's I like really that funny. though, as like yeah, as like an, as like a like an art direction choice or or whatever. Yeah. I I really like that for for a kids movie. I think it works really well. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's more it's easier to for them to be physically on the set because they're just in these big clunky suits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we get this whole uh, escape situation. Yeah, we get a speedboat chase as the Thumb Thumbs are chasing after Carmen and Juni because Uncle Felix doesn't doesn't make it. The submarine stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, we end the up in the submarine stuff. with like Carmen and Junie bored on the submarine. Yeah, and Junie like eating candy and taking a poop. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of those exteriors are real underwater stuff that they shot, and then mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 submarine is like a set that the kids are like sitting on. Yeah, that's cool. Did they and- did they shoot the submarine stuff, or did he just like borrow some some B roll from like James Cameron from his buddy James Cameron? He dove into the actual ocean. And wow! Spoilers: you, We're going to see some sharks in the movie. Yeah, he got bit by a shark. Wow! Robert Rodriguez did. Ro- Robert Rodriguez was like, I think one of them got me, and there was like a <laughs> shark bite on like his thigh. Jesus Christ! For Spy <laughs> Kids, crazy. I'll never forget Spy Kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, this I was a uh, this was like a this was kind of a, an autobiographical movie for him. The, the characters were named after like you know members of his yeah. family. Like this was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, this big, crazy, weird thumb thumb movie is like the most personal movie that he's made yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then also, like the uh, them operating the submarine was like something they talked about. Like what something that kids really glommed onto is like the kids get to do all these stuff themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they're they get to fly this, they get to pilot the submarine, they get mm-hmm. to because like as a kid you're so stuck and wherever your parents want to go, wherever they want to take you. Yeah. yeah. So. They they end up at the safe house. Mm-hmm. They get into the safe house by Carmen saying her full name. Yeah, which she thought what she thinks is really silly, but Carmen Elizabeth Juanita Echo Sky Bravo Cortez. Yep, and then that lets that lets them in. And there's a there's a green light for each of her names. Oh, that, like, I didn't miss that. <laughs> that like lights up as she says each one. <laughs> um, it's the same at uh, at Machetes. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so then they're like blown away by this magic, that magic safe house with like the empty cupboards that fill themselves. Um, yeah, after they open them once, 
the Big Mac machine. We get the Big Mac, like the rehydrated. Gary, did that blow your mind? So cool. That blow your mind as a kid, Gary. Uh, I loved that. I also think it's very funny that like when it produces the food, it also has to produce the like the sleeve, the McDonald's sleeve, (laughs) the the fries go into like the the cardboard. Um, We see someone else use it later, and it's like a full blown turkey. Yeah, oh, that yeah, one or like a rotisserie guys. chicken I, or something. I like, really like that because like it it like it's the it's the red flag of Terry Thatcher, right? Is that her goons are just like raiding the rehydrator. Right. Um, yeah. Like that's like the red flag of like, oh, I don't think they would do that if they were like actual oh, professionals. Actually, she, yep, she's also yep. like mad sus and when she comes back. Oh I, yeah. Because I hadn't seen this in a long time. So I was like, she is so clearly the villain, but I can't yeah. remember why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. But the McDonald's product placement I found very charming because it's just this thing of like it is McDonald's product placement, absolutely. I think there were Spy Kids toys and Happy Meals. There were yeah. movie came out, yeah. But like kids love McDonald's, like yeah. you know, like uh-huh. it's it is it is like capitalist like bullshit. It's such an easy comfort choice, but it's, yeah. well, but it's and like it, kids fucking love McDonald's. Remember Richie Rich? He had like the exactly McDonald's yeah. in his house, yeah. And yeah, every yeah. it's the one thing of that movie that every kid remembers. Yes, yes. Because kids have house. kids. I'm not saying it's not insidious, but kids have like a palpable relationship with McDonald's. Yeah, um, I don't yeah. think they do anymore, but they did for when sure. The night, yeah, when we were kids. Yeah. So there yeah. were McDonald's toys, and there was like an interesting. I think so. McDonald's saw this movie being made by Dimension, and they were like, "Oh hell yeah!" And Robert Rodriguez was like, "Yeah, that was unusual because it's not an IP. It's not like George of the Jungle." Or uh-huh. like any of this other stuff that's coming out in the '90s, but I think it has a lot to do with why the movie got the support that it did from big companies like Dimension and McDonald's. Is they saw this weird out there idea, but to use a phrase from toys, there's a big playability factor to Spy Kids. Toyetic, toyetic. That's the word. Yes. Yeah. And like, like when Junie pull, pulls off that sheet and you see the Buddy Pack jetpacks. Yeah. Yes. That's toyetic. You want one of those. Hell yeah. Absolutely. It's, the design of the buddy packs are just, it's kind of Spy Kids in a nutshell, where it's cool and cuddly and like charming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gregorio and Ingrid are captured in Floop's castle. They easily like get out of their restraints because they're mm-hmm. spies, Natch. Yeah. Um, and then they find the virtual room, AKA Robert Rodriguez's garage. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the virtual room. <laughs> and, and then they they get ca- they get recaptured this is where uncle felix gets turned to one of the those flu- guys the flumies yeah. in a in a horrifying moment mm-hmm. certainly that they make all the worse by give, making his like little bike helmet they put on him like look like a brain because for a split second i thought his his head was open like they had oh, like yeah. like sliced open his skull like yeah. Like like Ray Liotta and Hannibal. Horrible. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he gets turned into one of those and they're like, wow, this really sucks. But yeah, there's this uh the puzzle piece floor. Yeah, the puzzle piece floor. Yeah, yeah. With the glass, the glass bot. Like that was pretty that was pretty fun. And it comes back in a weird way later. <laughs> yeah. I think it helps this movie a lot that it, it doesn't feel like the energy stops when we cut back to the parents. No. Like yeah. their back yeah. and forth is still fun. Well, you know mm-hmm. what I think I think what works with them is uh in terms of like as like a kids movie is that while we are dealing with adults, they mm-hmm. are all they are dealing with really childish things, which makes yes. it fun for kids to watch. Yeah. So, like the puzzle piece floor. Yeah. Like the kid uh-huh. energy isn't out of those scenes. Like it's still very much there, yeah. even though it's a bunch of adults talking to each other in a boardroom. 
it's the kid energy is still there. Yeah, you know, Gary, Scott and I talk about this sometimes when we watch stuff that was like, you know, maybe made for families, but like we watched it, like the Tom and Jerry yeah. movie or, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. Totally. And there's like this thing that family movies think they need to do now where it's like, well, there has to be a realtor. There there has to be some like business deal that the dad has to close. Mm. Because, you know, adult stuff. And it's like, you you can always feel the energy drain out of the room. And it's a thing I think this movie really definitely avoids. Yes. Yeah, it's still, it it maintains its playfulness the whole way through uh, in a way that I really like. I I love, like, it's clear that even though they're, they've been abducted, right? They've been kidnapped by Floop and, like, are wrapped up in this whole, like, intrigue. There's still, like, a playfulness the two of them have with each other Mm -hmm. that I, uh, that I appreciate. Yeah. I liked them a lot as a kid. No, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Then Terry Hatcher shows up with her goons, super condescending to the kids, which is like a red flag mm-hmm. in a kid's uh-huh. movie. Kind of um, charms Carmen by offering her an opportunity to become a super spy. Right. right. Yeah. But then Junie accidentally opens the hatch where the third brain is, which is this thing that Gregorio it's a, invented. It's a tiny little brain. Prop. Yeah, it's a tiny little brain yeah. that he stole from R&D after creating it because he was told to destroy it, but instead he swapped it out for, for a walnut. For a walnut. And, <laughs> and it smashed a walnut, and nobody knew the difference, apparently. Nope. <laughs> that these are obviously walnut pieces. I've done it! I've broken the third brain. No one look. <laughs> so Terry Hatcher takes the brain, and then the, the brain is the MacGuffin of the movie, but like... I like it as a MacGuffin because it 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 is tied into every in the plot and of everything mm-hmm. that's yeah. going on. It's not just like this random thing, right? Like that that happens with a lot of MacGuffins. I mean, hell, I mean, like it's better than half the Fast and Furious movies where it's always just like the God's code or something. Yeah, yeah, this <laughs> an indefinable missile launching oh, device system. Speaking yeah. of which, do you think they've ever offered Robert Rodriguez a Fast and Furious movie? It's like he. Hell, I, I totally get what you're saying. Hell yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. But like, I don't know if like Hollywood knows by now. Like, well, you don't. He's not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. now where he's he's making Star Wars stuff, so it's like yeah. maybe he's yeah more willing to get out of the garage and and play in other toy boxes. <laughs> get out of the garage and into another garage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Scott, some of that horrific violence you were talking about yes. earlier, yes, c- comes up. So Junie. Yes spots the thumb thumbs taking apart their boat <laughs> yes. yeah and uh and he's like oh they're bad guys and then the big fight breaks out and yeah. terry hatcher gets hit with a buddy pack yeah so so yes. so Kyron escapes immediately goes mm-hmm. after the guy that has the brain with with one of the rocket packs and then that leaves junie to, to go through like some like really fast paced like kind of home alone hijinks with like yeah. some spy stuff yeah. But very home alone energy. And yeah, she gets absolutely blasted into the face with a rocket pack and it just doesn't damage her at all. No, it's just burns some of her. It's hair. real Looney Tune logic. Oh yeah. boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. that that half second where you're like, oh my God, I just saw Terry Hatcher get like her face melted off. <laughs> yeah. Was, that was for a second intense. I was like, that is bonkers. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think for my money, this is the greatest sequence of the trilogy. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Just like this is the purest Spy Kids moment is the jetpack chase because yeah. it's the fantasy of dropping these kids into a really cool action movie situation yeah. where a kid in 2001 or 2021 can imagine being Carmen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also, really importantly, this is when the Danny Elfman Spy Kids theme kicks in. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
God. I I love when they used to do that of just mm-hmm. be like, hey, we can't afford you for the for the whole movie, but we'll, we'll can you do a theme and we'll <laughs> we'll just use that and then we'll get another composer to do the rest of it. It's very mm-hmm. good. Speaking of Terry Hatcher, that's what happened with Desperate Housewives. Oh, oh, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman did the theme to Desperate Housewives, right, but then like right, right. somebody else scored the rest of the mm-hmm. show. Uh, uh, Scott, you mentioned the action. Jeff Dashnoff was the stunt coordinator for the Spy Kids trilogy. Yeah. He was like, yeah, the kids did a lot of their own stunts themselves. There also were stunt junies and stunt carmens, and those kids were the children of stunt people. Oh. Amazing. So wow. it was like I That's l- awesome. art imitating life. He could have made a spinoff called Stunt Kids. Stunt Kids, absolutely. <laughs> stunt Kids. And like you said, Home Alone, I think that's right on the money because like when they were like, yeah, like, the kids did a lot of their own stunts. I was like, oh, really? But then like, well, they're not fighting. They're not yeah. like yeah. punching and kicking. It's a lot of jumping and rolling and tumbling. Yeah. And like uh-huh. wire work. Although Macaulay Culkin didn't do his stunts in Home Alone. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. There's a scene where he's like going from the house to the treehouse. We can talk about Home Alone because we'll never talk about it on this show because there's only two of them. Mm-hmm. There are only two. <laughs> when, he, when he's escaping to the treehouse toward the end of the movie, there's a wide shot of him like sliding across the rope. And it's like so obviously like a grown woman like oh, wow. <laughs> sliding across. Yeah. It's like really, really funny, That's really um, funny once you notice it. Anyway, so he escapes, but then he, like, he ends up like falling out of uh, the rocket pack, and then Carmen catches him, but then mm-hmm. like he's squirming and nervous. Don't and drop s- me. I'm not going to drop you. Drops him. Yeah, and then immediately drops, drops him, and then goes and catches him. Very sibling energy in that thing where you're like annoyed for no reason at your sibling. Yeah. In no oh, justified yeah. way. And then the sibling is proven right. And that happens a lot in this movie with Junie, where mm-hmm. she's like, no, that's fucking stupid. And then <laughs> he ends up being right, like totally yeah, yeah. right about what he said. I really think the sibling energy is like the secret sauce of this movie. Is yeah. It's such yeah. an authentic feeling sibling relationship where yeah. they're just picking at each other every step the of the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So where where do they live? Do they live in Texas? Where is this city? Is this it's like El Diablo or something like well, that? Well, so the yeah, the city, right. So they 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 traveled to El Diablo, which is meant to be like not in America. Okay, um, so this ex- is in Mexico or South America. Well, or the Central I don't think well I don't think San Diablo exists, <laughs> but right sure. the ex the exteriors. So here's the thing. So the exteriors are Chile, where they got in the helicopter and drove around. But there's this really cool scene where it's an exterior, and then you the camera zooms straight down into a park. Yeah. Yes. That park is in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Okay. So okay. they do okay. they do a fake out again of making you think you're watching this big continent spanning movie when yeah. it's really just some well placed exteriors and San Antonio and Austin. Yeah, no, that's great. Nice. That's 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 really it smart. Works. I think they're supposed to live in America though, to answer your question. Yeah, no, I think they live in America. I just want to know where. I assume Texas, but I don't know. You know, the um, coastal yeah, because of yeah. the coastal yeah. thing. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I guess, the, I mean, there are technically coasts in Texas. Ah, um, Corpus Christi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. I don't know. I guess it could be California, theoretically. Oh, yeah. Like but, Malibu, uh, right by Tony Stark. Yeah. So yeah. they're in El Diablo, which is. I think it's San Diablo. San Di- oh, San Diablo. Okay. <laughs> they get a makeover or they get a wardrobe upgrade. Right. Yeah. And then they're, they're evil styling. robot mm-hmm. thems. They're spy um, kids. They're spy kids. Uh, show up, tricky, trick the uh, like each one tricks the other one. You know, and Junie is like, we should destroy the third brain. 
Yeah. <laughs> we should, uh, we should, what was the other, what's the other thing that he says that they should oh, do? Oh, she needs to get rid of the bracelet because it's almost, it's clearly going to be a track. They're tracking yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was right about both things. And it's uh-huh. just like, Carmen, like, you're being annoying. And Carmen's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I hate that he's right. That sucks. Yeah. You need uh-huh. to trust your brother. Like sometimes, like he knows what he knows. Like, you know. What did both of you think of the, uh, the, what, what, what do you call the merry-go-round sequence? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, have always loved this sequence. I think it's so funny because she spins it and it's so fast. Yeah. It makes no sense. And then when she jumps through it and just lands. It's so cool. Yeah. Lands like there's no bit, doesn't need to grab the rail. She's sturdy. And it's like, oh, you're threatening. Like, this is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So after the robot spy kids uh, leave with the third brain, they go and they track down machete's spy store yeah and they go in and he has the world's smallest camera on the tip of his finger you can't see it but it can see you Mm -hmm. uh, which is like a really fun effect and so she says her full name again which unlocks a secret door in the back of the store and then he's Uh just like get the fuck out Uh, (laughs) i don't have a brother (laughs) which is a really fun energy um i really like I really like that. Like he kind then, of similar to Carmen, like he doesn't want to take care of them, but yes. he knows that he has to. Yeah. And then we go back to Floop and 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 Minion becomes Mr. Minion. Turns <gasps> Mr. out to be the mastermind of the whole thing. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez always liked the idea of not having a bad guy or like having like a secret bad guy mm-hmm. because he was like, I really love this Willy Wonka character. I don't want him to be the bad guy. Oh, yeah. I, he won't be. I can have my cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah. I I just want to say Alan Cummings having a lot of fun in this movie. Mm-hmm. He is. He is. And this is two years before playing Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Same year as Josie and the Pussycats, though. Big year for him. It's my yeah, kids yeah. and Josie and the Pussycats. White ass Wally and Floop. <laughs> <laughs> two, two classic characters in a row. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so they, they talk through machete, with Machete. They learn that he's their real uncle, not their mm-hmm. fake uncle like Felix. He is uh, actually Gregorio's brother. And uh, they had a falling out some years back, but he was the best man at his wedding. And now he it was he, me and Richard Linklater. He feels nothing <laughs> about family. He's like, we're just brothers. Like, whatever. doesn't matter. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like showing them like all of his spy stuff. And then in mm-hmm. the middle of the night, they like sneak out of machete machetes by um, gathering up a bunch of gadgets and stuff mm-hmm. and then stealing the plane that he has on the roof. Carmen hands Junie a a a a a a manual that is like twice the size of a textbook, (laughs) and she's like, "Read this." And then, like like later, when he like fucks up, she's like, "What did you skip a chapter?" And it's just like, "How'd you see the size of that manual, Carmen?" (laughs) Come on, yeah, she's no. He's eight years old. (laughs) It's very yeah. Well, there's a part where like they're they they're riding away on the jet, the little the cool cool little jet. And yeah. Carmen just straight up, sh- oh, oh, so like they're getting in a fight mm-hmm. and she's like, St- Junie's like, stop calling me names or what? Or I'll call you a name. And one time he's like, she just pushes him too far and calls her diaper lady. Yeah. Revealing that cool Carmen still, maybe still wears a diaper or did wear a diaper for longer than quote is normal. Yeah. yeah. And she just shoves Junie and makes them hit a cliff and then blames Junie. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately blames him for Look it. Look what she did. Man. But you just pushed him. So yeah, they 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 like bail and Machete wakes up and like chases after them, but then it just like kind of lets them go and it's like oh, those ah, kids. Those spy those kids. kids. Oh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help but love them. Uh, Can't help them, but I love them. <laughs> you know what? This also has big Star Wars energy when they get to Floop's castle and they're like storming the castle. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like the Death Star stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, they drop out of the plane and it crashes into the Floop's castle, but they drop out and go <laughs> through an underwater entrance because all evil yeah. uh, evil base of operations <laughs> yeah. always have an underwater entrance, yeah. always. And this is where the sharks are, right? Yeah, this is yeah. where the sharks are. Where the yeah, sharks those, are. those are real sharks, except the shark that smells the pee. Yeah. That is a K&D Greg Nicotero shark because it like blinks. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, so then we start getting them using uh, spy spy stuff, and for some reason, uh, Machete loves putting electricity in bubbles. I was thinking the same thing when I was watching this morning. Yeah, because there's like the bubble gum, but then there's also just like the bubble. Yeah, like that she blows mm-hmm. bubbles. Yeah, because when she blows the bubble, I was like, oh, what's this gonna do? I was like, oh, just electricity. Oh, again. Just more, electricity. <laughs> more electricity. It was an electricity place. I think it's also interesting how immature Machete is. Like all of his spy yes. stuff is like. <laughs> He's like a little kid, yeah. They're like all uh-huh. like toys. <laughs> toys and candy. <laughs> Not like a machete with another machete attached to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Does he, does, is he still running that spy shop in the machete movies? <laughs> oh, it was like, machete, what are you doing on your phone? Oh, my spy shop. Oh, no, it actually closes at the end of the movie. I forgot about that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they use the bu- the chewing gum, uh, the mm-hmm. bubble gum electric on, on a thumb guy, and then they go into the um, air ducts, and Junie lowers down and talks to the the flu. Mike Judge. Yeah, and records it so that he can play it backwards and, and know where his parents are. <laughs> and then he go drops down because Carmen's like, hey, you should ask another question. Carmen just regularly proving that she doesn't know how to be a spy. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> she's just really bad at this. Uh, and then he drops down again in the middle of like a bunch of, of thumbs, and then she blows the regular bubble, the soap bubble that also yeah. that like electric electrocutes all, all of four them. of them. Yeah. So then they're trying to escape, and they go to the puzzle floor, and then Carmen ends up falling through the puzzle floor because yep. now it's not glass; it's yeah, just open. <laughs> which I don't know how that got switched out or or why. I guess maybe Tony Shalhoub was like, "Wait, why is this glass? What's <laughs> right. the point?" And Junie, Junie fully thinks that Carmen died. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, she, that's a long fall. Yeah. Yeah. She's fine though. She just falls into yeah. a bunch of thumbs, thumb, thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, yeah. there's, um, bean bags in that room just at the bottom of the shaft. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Floop's castle. I'll buy it. Yeah. Anybody to die. It's for kids. But I, I do have a lot of questions about the thumb thumbs now upon meeting the nurse thumb thumb. Who yeah, is right. a lady thumb thumb, a thumb with like painted nails? <laughs> yeah, she's like a sexy thumb thumb, and I'm like, wait, do they procreate? What is the purpose of I, this? I think maybe that thumb thumb just wanted to be dressed a certain way, and <laughs> Floop and Minion were like, all right, I mean, that affects them. Sure, you're not have a different. <laughs> yeah. You're not the nurse. They're and they're robots. They don't need a nurse. Oh man, <laughs> and she's reattaching one of the thumb thumb's thumbs. Oh, so yeah. maybe she is the nurse. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe she like replaces like damaged thumb thumb right. coverings. Pieces? Like when Thumbs? like when that thumb thumb got hit by a book. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's real weird. It's like mocking. It's very weird. I like um is this where we get to see the little thing that's like putting together the thumbs, like putting the head screwing the yeah. heads? It's like a hand, just like a big floating hand, and the heads are the thumbs are popping out of the ground and it's screwing them into place onto the different thumb thumbs as they're going down the assembly line. Absolutely. Weird. Uh, this would make a great <laughs> theme park ride. True. True. Don't think I didn't think about it while I was watching okay. it. <laughs> great. Awesome. I, I'm sure I'll continue to think about it as we move through this franchise. So then uh, Gregorio gets turned into Junie's drawing 
Yeah, uh, Judy drew a, fl- a flugel at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. His idea that's kind of like a, like, it looks like a melted gingerbread man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It's honestly, he gets turned into it. And when we see it later, it's honestly like the weakest flugel, I think, yeah. because uh-huh. the thing that I liked about uh, about the designs of the flugels is like he would he would build one out of clay mm-hmm. and then they'd push the button and it would like 3D scan the clay thing and turn the real person into that thing. Uh-huh. But like it wasn't like exactly it was like slightly but this is like exactly yeah well because it started it, from a paper drawing on the page. Yeah, yeah i guess that's true i guess that's what it is but it's it wasn't as exciting for me i was like yeah. i was like oh god what hor- how horrifying <laughs> is this gonna look in three dimensions and i was like oh okay it just looks like the drawing it's, okay yeah yeah still um, probably pretty traumatic for Judy. oh yeah i'm sure he's still his dad still looks like a flattened gingerbread man yeah <laughs> so we get the acid crayon escape mm-hmm. and then they confront mr minion and put him oh, in well, the chair. Yeah. Right. And uh, so Junie meets Floop, who's been trapped in the virtual yes. room. Oh, right, right, right. And so like earlier, Junie couldn't believe that Floop was really a bad guy. And um, when he meets Floop in the virtual room, we we learned that Floop wasn't really bad. And he learns that Junie is a big fan of his show. And Floop had been having these like creative, like, God, like the show and they're like, we don't care about the show. We care about the weapons yeah. that you're making. But yeah. the whole time he's like, my show's missing something. It's missing something. And Junie's like, it's missing kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's his like eureka moment. And now oh. Floop's a good guy. But yeah, they turn they turn Minion into the, do we get the reveal of like his three faces and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens when he makes his way back to the boardroom. It's right. weird though, because like, when did he improve it so that he can talk normal? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's always working behind the scenes. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Robert Rodriguez had that head sculpt encased in bronze and gave it to Tony, Tony Shalhoub, and he still has it to this day. Incredible. I love that. That's so awesome. I, I just love how proud he looks in that makeup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. It almost, it, he looks, it's an improvement. Yeah. Like, I love it. You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to change. This like, is great. I'm pretty sure it's reversible. Yeah. <laughs> and they all smile. <laughs> they all smile. There is a moment that really got me when Carmen and when when Carmen and Junie are fighting their evil robot thems again mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Junie gets cornered and Carmen's like the Carmen robot like punches through like a corner. Yeah. And and she's like, You're strong, Junie. Like you don't know how strong you are. And like be and then he stands up and he punches the corner, but it doesn't fit. And she's like, Not that kind of strong. Like I was like, that actually got me. Like I actually oh, laughed yeah, it's out loud. Really funny. Uh Junie's physical comedy really like is a thing I appreciated this watch through. That moment's great. The part where he's handcuffed to the 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 bucket. Uh-huh. The lunchbox, and, yeah. The lunchbox and Carmen and Carmen's like, just just knock it over. And he like yeah. bounces it and it hits him on the head. Yeah, that's great. Oh, it's really fun. That part always gets me. Yeah. Like, ever since I was a child, it's just in the background because she's doing something else. It's very, very his great. His physical comedy, too, is uh, very different than most kid actors because most kid actors dial any physical comedy up to, like, 12, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you watch any Disney Channel show or Nickelodeon live-action sitcom, and it's like the kids are so fucking wacky. Yeah. Like just totally dialed up, and Junie's like subtle, 
in terms of like yeah. comedy kid acting. Yeah, um, and that was really that. that was like incredibly deliberate. He was like he was like, I wanted actors that felt like my siblings back when I was making Bedhead. I didn't want kids that owned the room and were always on and super charming. Like I wanted kids that were weird and quiet. And I think that's what makes the physical comedy so funny is like when a kid gets hurt, they want to hide it. They don't want you to show that <laughs> yeah. they're hurt. And that's what yeah. Juni does. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. There, There's always, like, in a lot of child actors, there's this, like, inherent, like, annoyingness about them, like you said, mm-hmm. about, like, wanting to be the center of attention, because if you're a child actor, like, of, like how how could they not want to be kind the of trained of to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And so, like, I love that that's not the vibe of these two kids at all. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, they feel like real kids. Yeah, they really do. So we end up in the the main like boardroom area with yeah. the little with the hand thrown or whatever you want to call that thing. <laughs> I love Tony Shalhoub like trying to get comfortable in it. Like, where, how do you sit in this thing? It's a hand. Yeah. So then the the robot kids show up as the spy kids are reunited with their parents. Yeah. The, we get the showdown. They're like, "You take the hundred on the left. I'll take the hundred on the right." <laughs> but Dad, that leaves a few more. And then through the glass. Yeah. There's a hundred left. We need we need yeah, one more one, person, one more. which I think is the funniest line. Uh, there's five hundred kids, <laughs> yeah. five hundred robots. We are only taking that only covers four hundred of them. <laughs> so earlier, the kids drop Floop off in like a control room for the for the robots by kids, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're like they have this revelation where he's like, I can't reprogram them. That would take too long. They're like, you just have to change two words. And he was like, oh yeah, binary. And I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about or how this would work. Like, are you, are they suggesting that the robot spy kids have like an, a good and evil setting? Like, I, like the I crusty doll? I always imagined that that was <laughs> yeah. it. Oh. It's just a flip, it's flip a switch to good. I just got to switch them to good. Yeah. <laughs> because when it finally happens, it, he, he like tells Junie that like, oh, you were the inspiration for this. And I was like, and he was like, because he, he told you what to do. Like, make them good. Yeah. Junie, I yeah. took your advice. I made them good. You're the inspiration. <laughs> yeah. He was like, what? Is, <laughs> this is the only part of it that I was a little baffled by. I like, I yeah. was like, I don't. This just feels like it's happening because it needs to happen, but like right. I don't think it's like explained well enough for me to understand what he actually did. Yeah. So all the robot kids are 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 good now, and they're so good that they actually become heroes across the globe. Uh, I think that yeah. the newscaster says not a day has gone by <laughs> that none one of these robot kids haven't done some great act of goodness. Yeah. 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 And then we get a huge cameo in the form of George Clooney. Yep, from dusk till dawn himself, calling the yep. the Cortezes uh, with a bl- with black bars on his eyes that he takes off like sunglasses. <laughs> it's so good, it's so I love, silly. I love this bit so much. <laughs> he takes it off and then he puts it back on yeah. at the yeah. end. It's, it's so like good. just in case you weren't immediately aware that was George Clooney, he takes the little bars off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ingrid and Gregorio are like, "I we can't. We're 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 family people. We're not going to do another mission." And uh, that's when George Clooney reveals that he's not calling for them. He's calling for Carmen and Junie. He has a mission for them. Uh-huh. Uh, that's when Carmen says, we're a family. We do everything together. So send us the mission and, and we're all going to go kick some ass as a family. And then the movie's over. Yeah. And Machete too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's somewhere. He's like the scrappy-doo of this family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. So and Spy Kids, uh, a, a delightful film. I think... Yeah, I think this is the best of the trilogy. I think what you were saying, Scott, about the sets. The practical elements, yeah. Yeah, the practical yeah. elements do this movie a lot of favors. 
yeah. the the tactileness of like you feel like you can hold a buddy pack, you can hold the gum mm-hmm. and uh-huh. and stuff. Uh, yeah. Gary, what 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 stuck out to you revisiting this movie after presumably a, a long time? Uh, this is a movie that I've revisited a lot. Okay, I I own this one digitally, so this is just like oh, I'm just gonna put this on this morning before we <laughs> sit down to chat. I always really just like appreciate the story a lot. I like how. I like all the family dynamics of it. Like, I, that's the point, right? Like, that's they all come together at the end to talk right to the camera to be like family is important. Family, <laughs> yeah. Scott. I'm really glad you liked it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you were kind of caught on the weirdo wavelength that this movie's operating on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I really liked it a lot. I it was way more than I thought I was going to. That's for sure. I mm-hmm. thought I would be like, yeah, that's 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 it's cute. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so small in its scope. Where mm-hmm. it feels big because you know they're being on all these adventures and there's these water stunts, but like everyone's arc is so clean, yeah. And you can just like point to them on a map in a way that I don't think a lot of Robert Rodriguez movies do, and I say that with affection. And so I, I, I that's why I think this is like his tightest, most effective movie. Yeah, yeah. That being said, the next film I know features the greatest line of do- dialogue in cinematic history. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. So I'm 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 excited to get to that and uh, and and see what that's like. I'm excited to to keep going. I know that it's going to be downhill from here, uh, but I think I'm I'm enough on its wavelength that that I think I can, I think mm. I can ride it. I think I can ride the wave. <laughs> uh, I will <laughs> tell you, I think this is the least weird one, the least weirdest one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so get ready for Almost that. Almost certainly. All right. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in this that I thought was in the second one. I didn't know was in this one. Like I I thought Floop was the second one. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, I, cool. I didn't know that he was in this first one. So I have no idea what the second one is about, other than it has Steve Buscemi in it. And yeah. I don't know anything about the third one except that he's in like Junie's in a robot suit and I think Sylvester Stallone is in it. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's all yep. I know about the next two movies. Yeah. This yeah. yeah. You're you're in we're in for a couple of wild rides, listeners. Okay. I'm excited. For y'all to get to those. All right, cool. Well, Gary, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah, I was really excited. Like I was saying earlier, like I was really, um, I was really surprised that this one like won the poll. But I pushed like really hard when it was out. Was just like people vote for this. Like I love this so much. I wanted to hear you, Nick, in particular, talk about this because because it's like a Mexican family of spies, and like I was so curious as like what your experience with that was. Yeah, I like. mean, there's this really beautiful moment at the end, just really working where like. Uh, Danny Trejo and Gregorio have like their, we're like, do you even remember why we're fighting? And he's like, yeah. no. And he starts crying. No. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's like, ah, Latinos, emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it's like, uh, it's sad that, you know, it's so simple just to like, Robert Rodriguez was a big fan of John Woo movies. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was like, you walk out of that movie, I don't care what color you are, you think the Chow Yun Fat is like the coolest dude on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I know that can happen with Latinos. I know like other kids, all kind of kids would want to be Carmen and Juni. And yeah. it <laughs> wouldn't matter that they're Latino or wouldn't take anything away. Obviously, the direct correlation to Chow Yun-Fat. Right there. Yeah. Hard-boiled spy kids. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Uh, amazing. Gary, anything you'd like to plug? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys can find me. I'm also on the Dueling Genre Network. Uh, people can find my show, New Republic Archives. Uh, on every other on alternating Thursdays, uh, we do either deep dives into different like media properties in the Star Wars universe. We've done the radio play. We've done a couple of books and movies and things like that already. Um, so and then uh, on off weeks, we just have like little banter episodes, catch up episodes about like what we've been reading and consuming. Got it. Uh, otherwise, in the Star Wars universe that we're not necessarily doing like deep dives on. 
So yeah. people can catch those at Tooling Charm. That's exciting, yeah. It's a charming it's little fun. show that is uh, uh, very very positive in like the best way it's like uh it's like an antidote to most star wars like stuff out yeah there. like that's the thing is like tim and i have been star wars fans for a long time and like we have different things that we're interested in we just want to like embrace like all the weirdness of it yeah. and be like yeah sometimes star wars has like some really bonkers <laughs> stuff in it yeah but like that doesn't make it any less any less fun yeah i think so no i love that awesome um everybody a good time. check that out new republic archives yeah all right Thanks for being on the show, Gary. Thanks for watching Spy Kids, Scott. Uh-huh. We will return next week to a movie I barely remember, but in some ways we'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. Hi, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.